Have you ever felt frustrated because you just couldn't find a lovely book to read? I can start to crave not just a good book, but a book that draws me in and evokes such a deep emotion that I can say, wow, that was a lovely book. Welcome friends. This is Emmy B on Lovely Books Podcast, where it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. If you're new to Lovely Books, this podcast is more than just a best books podcast. It's about the reader's experience and takeaway. No book reviews, no analysis of literary content, just thoughts and personal anecdotes brought to our minds by the characters and subject matter that we love. That's what brings the book to life for you. I hope we give you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. Welcome listeners back for another great week at Lovely Books Podcast. I'm your host, Emmy B, and I am thrilled to bring you another great topic today, um, especially since this month is Black History Month. You may remember this title from a couple of weeks ago when I interviewed bookstagrammer Kayla Turner, her Instagram handle, you may know her from that, is at Book It Queen. Um, as an African-American reader, and this is an own voices young adult historical fiction set in the 90s during the Rodney King incident slash beating slash trial, Kayla really expanded my understanding of those events and the importance, especially during this Black History Month, to really um, embrace this idea of know your history, or for me, um, know the history of the fight against racism and for equality in America. So as I finished speaking with Kayla and edited her interview, I was still kind of processing my thoughts, and on a whim, I reached out to Christina Hammonds Reed um, and asked her for a conversation. Well, you can just imagine my delight, it's, and it's my absolute pleasure to have her with me today Um, She was so willing to sit down and have another conversation with me about this great book. So, um, Christina, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. (laughs) Christina Hammonds-Reed received her MFA in film and television production from USC School of Cinematic Arts, a Nichols Fellowship finalist. Her short stories have been published in the Santa Monica Review and One Teen Story. She grew up in L.A. and has lived all over the city. She was eight when the riots happened, and every day on her morning commute, she drives through the neighborhood that is still that still very much bears the scars of 1992. Christina, I'm so excited to talk about this book with you, but before we get started, can you tell us a few extra little things about yourself? Well, I am a total beach bum. I live in LA near the water. And so I try to go to the beach all the time. And a fun fact is that everything I've written kind of takes place around the water. So short stories, screenplays, it always seems to like trickle in, even when I'm not thinking about it, there's always some sort of connection to the water. And I think that's because my parents had me in competitive swimming when I was really young. Okay. So I think it was like, I'm a mermaid at heart. <laughs> right. I love that. I love that. Well, and you live in the perfect place for it. Los Angeles has such great beaches all down that coast. I actually lived in San Pedro for two and a half years. Oh, you did? Yeah. Right. When I graduated high school, and I loved LA and I, it was such a different experience from coming from Salt Lake City, Utah to, to be in LA. Um, I lived with an aunt and uncle. San Pedro, as you know, is a huge melting pot. There's just yeah. like so many different kinds of people. And so that was like a really big difference for me and the um the dance in the art industry there is not the same as it is in Salt Lake so it was like a, <laughs> it was a big growing a big culture shock <laughs> yeah it was it was but I spent two and a half years there and I loved everybody that I met I met great mm-hmm. people so 
It's very cool. Um, yeah, it was really great. But I'm excited to talk to you about this book and um, kind of discuss this idea of being an own voices author. Um, I did an interview with a bookstagrammer, Kayla Turner, on this. And one thing that really stood out to her as she read this was she grew up, um, She was, I think she was born in 91, and she didn't grow up reading a lot of books about people like her. And um, I'm older than she is, and so, but I'm also white. And so I grew up reading a lot of books about people like me, um, but, that's not the experience that a lot of people have had. And so I know this book's this book means a lot to read a book that's about now and not about civil war and not about Jim Crow era. Even though those books are so important and so significant, it means something different um, to read a book about someone like you in the period that you're living in. Yeah. And so I want yeah, I'm wondering if you can talk for a minute with me about what it means for you to kind of be an own voices author and to give this to your readers. I think that that's been uh, one of the best things about having written this book is connecting with people like myself who grew up in similar circumstances. And um, I grew up similarly to Ashley, not quite um, as as crazy as Ashley, obviously. Um, but I, I grew up in like an upper middle class family. I went to private school. I did all kinds of horseback riding and, and skating and lessons and piano lessons. Um, and, and so I was used to being one of the few black faces um, in whatever classroom I was in and whatever activity I was in. And I wanted to reflect on that experience specifically because I feel like a lot of even the own voices books that we've had up until recently have kind of been centered still within um, within the trauma of 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 sort of what happens when there's unequal policing or when you come from um, sort of a disadvantaged disenfranchised community and there is a connection obviously between those of us who grow up with a little bit more and and the disenfranchisement of the black community as a whole. But I wanted to look at how that privilege impacts your sense of self and how that privilege impacts um, how you come to community. If you're used to being one of the few black people in a space, how then do you come to understand your place within the larger community and your responsibility possibly to that community, depending on how you interpret it? Um, and so for me as an own voices author, it was important to me to write a story that captured that, that told a story that was specifically more similar to what I had experienced growing up, as opposed to something that's rooted in the South or rooted in the inner city or rooted in, like you said, the civil rights struggle or slavery. Um, and just also creating something that's universal, like at the heart, I think it's a coming of age story. Uh, it's it's a story about a girl trying to figure out who she wants to be friends with, who she wants to be, and and just sort of what she's going to take from everything she's learned. And the riots are really just the catalyst for her exploration of self. And I wanted to give that to all readers, but also specifically to like my Black female readers to have a book that reflects a little bit of, of, of their experience now and not quite now, obviously, since it's 1992, yeah. but, but in, in our present history and using that history to reflect on where we are in 2020, now 2021, right? Yeah, right. Well, one of the things um, that really affected me, as you said, you know, 
this book is, it's written for, you know, young black readers. Um, but also your audience extends to, I mean, it's a global community of readers these days. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, as I reflected on your book after I read it and I did my interview and I went back and looked at the interview and listened to it and heard, and I even heard my own voice talking about it. Um, I felt like for the, for, I mean, I don't know how to say it other than just I'm white. For the white reader, you know, I try to be so PC, but I'm just like straight up white. Yeah, so, own it. Right. So I I live in an upper middle class area. I'm Upper East Side, Salt Lake City, Utah. But I reflected a lot on this book and and what there was for me in there, and what lessons there were for me to learn about how I view. Um, the things that are happening, because we have a lot of social commotion right now, yes. um, stemming or raising it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm, I am removed from it living in Salt Lake city. Um, you know, we had some rioting here downtown, but not a lot. Um, but I think there's lessons for those of us who are on the outside. A lot of that for me came from viewing how Ashley's friends treated what was going on. And I was a little bit, um, I don't know, embarrassed that I could identify with their feelings of looking at these things saying, well, that doesn't affect me in my world. And so I don't really have to think about it. Um, and so what message do you feel like this has for people who are like me? <laughs> well, I, I think hopefully in, in storytelling, you always seek to build empathy, right? Like. Yeah. I think that I, I don't ever set out to be didactic. I don't, I don't mean to preach to anybody when I'm writing, mm -hmm. but I do think that hopefully when you read the story, you come away from it feeling um, as though you've been in Ashley's shoes and therefore you can feel what it's like on her end. So perhaps when you're moving through the world, you're more thoughtful about how you interact with people or you're more thoughtful about how um, how you take in the news and how you respond to that news and, and you don't just sort of divide it into like, that's for those people. Like it's, it's part of the global we that, that we're dealing with. So I, I think for me, um, as, as much as yes, I want to write to people like myself. I also want to write for the whole, it's a universal coming of age story. And I think that her friends learn lessons throughout the book as well. Like we see Heather realizing that, Hey, wait a minute, maybe I shouldn't use certain words or maybe I should be more sensitive in my language. Um, we see Courtney realizing that she wants to be her own person and as opposed to kind of just following in Kimberly's shadow um, and, and, we kind of get the progression of her friends. Kimberly doesn't quite learn her lesson, but I would like <laughs> some to people don't. Yeah. And that's, that's the case. Exactly. So I, I think that all of them are, I, I feel like they're all a product of their environment, right? Like I, I, I write even them with so much love because I think that's just part of being a teenager. Um, I think it's part of privilege to a certain extent too. Like you, you don't necessarily know what you don't know. And it's over the course of the book, they're all growing and learning because of what's happening around them. And like you said, with Kimberly, some people don't change, but I think 
most of us don't have the answers at first, right? Like Ashley doesn't have the answers. She doesn't know what's going on. Like she, she knows, but she doesn't know how to feel about it throughout the the book. And I think that's true of so many of us right now, (laughs) especially in the year that we just had, like, there are so many emotions that we're just like, what is going on? And, and I think that Ashley to a certain extent is like, she's representative of all of us in 2020, 2021. And, and it's funny because when I wrote the book, I didn't know we were going to have the year that we were going to have. Um, but I just think that fiction allows us to sort of process through character, right? Like yeah. fiction allows us to sort of go through it with her and just be like, okay, who do I want to be um, when the dust is settled? Right. And I love to, um, that, as you have Ashley on the one side of this, you have Joe on the opposite side. But one thing that really stood out to me that as much as Joe wants to stand up for things that she knows her history, um, that she's willing to fight and sacrifice for her history, um, she is married to a white husband. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I'm curious, like, where did that idea come from? Because for me, it said, I know, I know who I am, I know where I come from, I know what I believe. But I'm not, I'm not out to be against white people. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Like, yeah, no. And I think that's, that's so true of, of most of us or most people who are um, politically passionate. I think there, it's a false dichotomy when it's us versus them. It's not uh, us versus them. It's us versus a system of oppression. And there are those people who will fight for that system of oppression. And there are those people who will fight against that system of oppression. So in writing her husband, I really just thought love is love, right? Like mm-hmm. you fall in love with who you fall in love with. And if they share the same values and if they are about the same things that you're about, then that's what's most important. And, and, and in framing it like that, I think it's, it, it's important for people who maybe don't realize that like, it, it's really not a, a race thing when, when people are passionate about these causes, it's about fighting for systemic change. And, and Mm -hmm. it's not about fighting individuals. It's, it's fighting people who are complacent within that system or people who are, are okay with the status quo versus those people who are not. So, and I, I absolutely agree with that. And I love that for her as a character and for her husband. Um, I also saw sort of this difference of um, kind of awareness of what's happening um, in the world between Ashley and then LaShawn. LaShawn, there you go. I was like, I know it's in there. Pull it out, Emily. And LaShawn, because coming from a different upbringing that she comes from, um, he is is more, um, I don't know, he's more face-to-face with the struggle Mm-hmm. But it seems like he, as a character, is more settled in who he is. He's more comfortable in his skin. He has, like, like that struggle has given him, like, a greater sense of self, where Ashley, on the other hand, like, her lack of struggle has made it difficult for her to really understand who she is. Is that, did, did I kind of read that right? Yeah, you did, absolutely. And I think one of the things that I wanted to address throughout the book um, was class and how class plays into these things. So, like, with with Joe and her husband, Harrison's a construction worker and, and and part of her parents' objection to him is not the racial element, but the fact that class-wise, they're, he's not what they want for her. Um, and with LaShawn, in terms of class and, and the nuances of that within 
um, racial identity, he's grown up around black people. He's grown up in a community that has its hardship, but hardships, but has also lifted him up and, and, and helped raise him. Mm-hmm. And that scene where they're in, um, where they're right outside his house and they have that encounter with the police, his neighbors all come to his aid and say, he's a good kid. This is okay. And I think that's important in terms of representing um, lower income communities or or disenfranchised communities that so often they get stereotyped as just like these super violent places and, and dangerous places, but there's oftentimes a sense of support and community and, um, just people trying to live their lives and do the right thing by each other. And and so those two things coexist. Um, But within that framework, that's how LaShawn's grown up. So he's always had a sense of who he is, like you said, as a person. And Ashley's never had that. Ashley's kind of always been just the only one or one of a few. And and she's always had to view herself through a lens of of whiteness to a certain extent. So she's really just sort of searching for what community looks like. And it's something that LaShawn already has. Um, and, and over the course of the book, that's her learning um, about her history and about her people and finding that community. And at the end of the book, she sort of sees herself as part of the Black kids as opposed to like, they're them. <laughs> but also it, it's not just the Black kids. She finds her community in terms of finding Lana and finding um, these friendships that, sort of are, are stronger for her. And, and, and um, I, I think it's really just about her coming of age and growing up and, and, and seeing that some of these people will serve her long-term and some people will not, and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, if there's sort of an overarching theme that carries across the book and something that you kind of want your readers to walk away with, what do you think that is? I would say the first thing that comes to mind is love and empathy. I think the book is so much about love. It's about loving yourself. I think that's something that a lot of us struggle with um, universally. It's it's kind of love of family and, and love of community and love of Blackness. I think it's mm-hmm. a book that that celebrates that in, in a way that's very specific to these characters and just her coming into herself as part of this community. Um, it's love of your city because I love my city, <laughs> love of Los Angeles. And it's like really tumultuous time in our recent history, but it's also a time that uh, really forces us to examine who we are and who we want to be. Um, and love of your sister, love of sisterhood. I think that that's something that I don't get to talk about as often, but these sisters have this sort of very complicated, messy relationship. Mm-hmm. But they love each other so much and 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 the entire family just kind of struggling to meet to communicate, even though they just are very I, I think that's just kind of true of a lot of families where people struggle to to communicate how they feel and it's coming from a place of love. So Yeah, and a place of protection, which I, yeah. I really saw with her parents is that, you know, they were trying to do the best by her. Yes. Um, and it didn't end up necessarily being the best by her, but it was just like, we like, as any parent would, like, you want to protect, you want to love, you want to care, you want to make sure that everything's okay. And 
sometimes that goes well and sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> right, exactly. Your parents are just people. And I think that sometimes when you're a kid, you don't realize that like your parents are just doing their best, right? Right. They're doing yeah. what they think is right. So I think she kind of comes to that realization towards the end of the book too. Like they're just, they're just trying to do what they think is the right thing. So this is your debut novel, but you've written other short stories and stuff. Do you have any other books coming up? Anything you're working on? I'm working on an adult novel. Um, <laughs> so hopefully that all comes together. But that's kind of about um, a family that's that's striving to be like the Jackson Five in the 60s and 70s. And cool. that pursuit of the American dream and, and what that's looked like historically for Black performers and how it, it sort of brings them together and how it also tears the family apart over the years. So. I pull it off. (laughs) Awesome. Well, if our listeners want to be able to connect with you online and keep up with what you're doing, what's their best way to follow you? On Instagram at uh, at Christina Hammonds Reed. So very easy to remember, just my last name. And that is the only place I'm online, though, just for my own mental well-being. (laughs) I appreciate readers and I do sometimes look at comments. Well, and that's I did find you on Instagram. So if you want to connect on Instagram, she's yeah. there. I can vouch uh, yeah. for that. Um, <laughs> I'm fairly receptive to people too. I'm like, okay. <laughs> cool. cool. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Yes. Well, if you haven't already had a chance to check out this book, um, please grab it. The Black Kids by Christina Hammonds Reed. Um, It was released on August 4th, 2020, and you can find it at all major retailers. Uh, Thanks for listening in today. I hope that you gained some more insights, especially in this Black History Month, and enjoyed this interview. If you like what you heard today, please remember to comment, like, subscribe, and leave a rating. And we will be back again next week to highlight another lovely book.